Come on, let's just, he did such a good job. Uh, we were on vacation at Campland, and I was in my little trailer with, you know, our computer opened up. We were all huddled around watching, and uh, it was, I was blessed. So thank you so much for sharing what you shared. And uh, thank you to Jessica for doing the spoken word this morning. That was amazing. She wrote that whole thing, and uh, it was just really, really cool. So thanks for sharing. So, um, man, I was thinking today, or this week, Easter's stressful. I was, I was telling one of my friends as a pastor, you know, Easter, I feel, I feel like there's a lot of expectation. I'm like, man, I got to like beat what I did last year. Thinking, what did I do last year? It was really good, man. I got to be even better than that. And then I'm thinking like there's people here who only come on Easter. And if I like really nail it, then maybe they'll come back for Christmas. So I'm like, it's like well, the pressure's mounting, you know? And then I was thinking, it's so silly because here we have the story of all stories. Jesus came to earth, died a sacrificial death, rose again on the third day, spent 50 days with his disciples, went into heaven promising to come back again. And I'm sitting in my office going, man, how can I make this story exciting? <laughs> Man, this story is a New York Times bestseller all by itself today. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into the greatest story of all time. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing at Heart Church. And God, what a privilege that we have to just sit together and discuss and think about and ponder the best story and the greatest news. And so today I ask that you would do what only you can do, Holy Spirit, and that's open the eyes of our hearts. God, in places where we have been blind, in places where we have a blind spot, Lord, where there's a veil that covers us from seeing you and seeing the gospel for what it is, Jesus, I pray that you would open up those places today and that you would speak and we would be different. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago on uh, the Easter weekend, it poured down rain. Now, if you're a native San Diegan, you know that that doesn't happen very much. But when it rains, it really rains. Uh, I spent 12 years in Olympia, Washington, and up there, it's like it rains all the time. But their rain is more like a mist. But like if there's a storm coming through and it's going to rain, buckle up, right? Because not only is it going to come down pretty hard, but we're not really ready for a good amount of rain. So we kind of freak out like people do if it's snowing. You know, it's like you don't go out and drive around here because it's raining because it's like we're just like scared of it. But two years ago, it poured down rain on Good Friday. And I remember on Thursday looking at the forecast and the forecast was like, man, it's going to be an epic storm all weekend long. So I wake up on Friday morning which, you know, as a pastor, Easter weekend's a big deal, and I've got a lot going on, and dynamics, and Easter egg hunt, and all these things, and so I get up on Good Friday, and it was coming down like I've never seen, and unfortunately, it had been raining all night long, and in my backyard, those of you who've been over to my house, I have a pool. It's a small backyard, and it's mostly concrete and a pool, and so when it rains really hard, sometimes it overtakes the, the drainage, and when it rains really hard, we have a problem because then my pool fills up. And if the drainage isn't keeping up, then the water just keeps rising and flows over the concrete and eventually gets to my house. 
So I wake up on Friday morning, Good Friday, getting ready for Easter, and I'm, I'm going, wow, like it's so dark. And Good Friday, it feels like it's dark anyways, just because of like what it is, right? You like watch the, the, the passion with your kids, and you're like prepared in your heart for this like kind of just dark day, right? And so you wake up, and it was physically dark and raining, and I look outside, and no joke, my entire yard was a pool. I have a pool, but my whole yard was a pool. It had risen a good couple inches above my pool, and it had come up all the way to the house, and now it's a couple inches from coming in the house, and it's still raining, and I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the weather, and it's like, sure enough, it's going to rain like crazy for the next like six hours. I'm like, I'm in trouble. So I do what every good husband will do, you know, at eight in the morning when it's cold and raining on Good Friday, is I get a rain jacket and I go get my, my broom. And I was sweeping, so there's a gutter, and I was sweeping the water off the patio onto the, you know, flower beds and whatever. So I'm like out there just going for it. I mean, like, and at this point, after like five minutes, first of all, I'm not getting anywhere, and I am absolutely drenched. I mean, it's coming down so hard, I mean, I might as well have swam in the pool. So I'm just like out there, I mean, my, I'm working my arms for probably 15 minutes, got nowhere. Water's rising. So now I'm like an inch away from it coming in the house. I'm like, what, is it? what am I going to do if it comes in the house? Do I even have insurance for that? I don't know. It's going to be the worst Easter ever. So I, I, I do what every, all of you would do. I get on YouTube and I go, what do you do? Yeah, and when you don't know what to do. And, uh, and they're like, you siphon. That's what you do, you siphon. So I go and I get my garden hose and I'm like, perfect. I'll siphon the water with the garden hose. So I took one end, so I, I literally YouTubed, how do you siphon water? So I like, I mean, I probably watched for like five minutes, like, all right, I got it. So I put one end into the pool, ran this long garden hose all the way to the front yard, which is where we want the water. Meanwhile, the level's rising and my temperature's rising. And so I get on, uh, on the other end of this thing and I start sucking this garden hose like as hard. I, now, by, by this time, Heather's a, a, up in her pajamas and she's now standing at the front porch laughing at me because I am drenched. I'm sucking as hard as I can on this garden hose. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, have you looked in the backyard, right? We're about to have a problem. She, she looks back there. She's like, suck harder. <laughs> so I'm like, I am, right? It's it, like, it's not even coming out. So I look back in the thing and you're like, well, you have to like do something on the, the hose, the pool side. So I do that and I come out, I'm sucking as hard as I can. And finally water starts flowing. I'm like, perfect. And so uh, unfortunately it was like a tiny little trickle. I'm like, seriously? And Heather's like, yeah, the hose is probably too long. And I'm like, well, this is the only hose we have. And she's like, well, we're in trouble because it was doing like absolutely nothing. Tiny little trickle. So I get on it again. Now I'm sucking. Water's coming out. So I'm like sucking it into my lungs. I'm like, this is not going to work. So she goes, we need to go buy a pump. So I go to Home Depot, completely drenched. And this was during the middle of COVID. So I'm masked up in Home Depot, completely drenched, walking through, reading all the different pumps, right? I get home, I get on YouTube. How do you use a pump to siphon water, right? 
So I finally hook it up, get the thing done, and like right before the water comes in, the, the, the motor starts going, pumping water. Come on, I came through for once. Tell you what, it's craziness. So I wake up on Saturday morning thinking more rain, more disaster. I was going to have to turn the pump back on. And I'll never forget waking up Saturday morning and I walk outside and like the, 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 the clouds had parted temporarily because it was still going to rain that day, but like the clouds had parted and there was like birds chirping, which is like always the best sound. You know, can you imagine Noah out on the boat, right? It's like finally here's birds, right? It's just like the, 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 the sky had parted and it was like, oh, Easter's coming. Like Friday's dark, really dark on that day. But, but that's not the end of the story. There's something coming. So brace yourself. On Easter, we celebrate the resurrection. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. And, and three days later, he came out of the tomb just as he said. But let's be honest, sometimes our life looks more like an overflowing pool than it does a resurrection Sunday. And so I want to dig into that a little bit, into where we live. And what, is it, what does it mean to celebrate resurrection Sunday, walking through a life that looks a little bit more like the pool's overflowing and the broom's not cutting it? Because it's bigger than you and the problem is bigger than you. You got your broom? You got your, in life, you got your broom? Y'all have your broom. I know you do. You got your hose. You've even YouTubed it. Like, how do I get out of this mess? And you're out there like, and it's soaking wet. And, you're, and, and your wife's like, come on, honey. Let's do this. Like, I'm working as hard as I can and it's not making any difference. You ever felt like that? Like, it's not, I'm not making a dent in this problem, in my life, it's not working because the problem's bigger than you and it's worse than you think, which is why Jesus came. And, it, and, and I was blown away by this passage, a simple passage out of Mark chapter 14. And it's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane right before he goes to the cross. And in Mark chapter 14, it'll be up on the screen, verse 34. He says these words. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. This is Jesus talking. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed. This is what he prayed to the father. If it were possible, let this hour pass. In other words, God, if there's any other way we can accomplish what we need to accomplish besides me walking this road, let's do that. God, you're, you're a creative God. You, you know the end before the beginning. So can you think of a different way? Can you imagine this conversation where Jesus is literally like, if there's, if there's a way for me to not have to take this cup of sorrow, I'm choosing that option. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. 
This is the conversation that he's having with his father. Very, it's a very real conversation where he is literally sweating blood. He's under the pressure of your and my sin and the reality of what's taking place. And he's like, Father, if there's any other way to get this done, let's do it. Well, you know what happened. But it sends quite a message to you and me that if, if the God if our God and Father in heaven and his son Jesus had a conversation and together between their brilliant minds as one, one God seen in two persons, them together, their brilliant mind. How many know God has a brilliant mind? Nothing's ever occurred to God. He's never just like, oh, I just thought of something. He's brilliant. He knows everything. And he couldn't think of a different way. Which means... What we celebrate on Easter Sunday was absolutely necessary to get you out of the hole you were in with your silly little broom and your siphoning hose trying to fix your problem. It's not enough. The problem's too big. Right? It's too big. So I know... I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, Shane, I get it. Easter Sunday, talk about Jesus, talk about the cross. And then the, the punchline is get right with God, clean up your act and get back in church. Right? I mean, those, those are good things. Get your act together. Start making better choices. You need to do a better job and Easter Sunday is a reminder that y'all aren't cutting it. Can I tell you that's not our message today? Amen. Listen, our message is so much not about your performance because your performance is not cutting it. It's not cutting it. You're not going to get anything done with that broom. And I know you've been trying. That's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, impressive broom, too. You thought I was going to be up here with one of those kitchen brooms. No, this is, uh, this is a water-stopping broom right here. And it still wasn't enough. Tell it. Not enough. Our message is about his performance that trumps all others. That's what our message is about today. But this story isn't just about an event that happened 2,000 years ago. No, it's much better than that. The work on the cross was finished, but he's not. Jesus said, it is finished. What I accomplished on the cross, the work is finished. But then Jesus got off the cross. He rose from the dead and now he seats, sits at the right hand of the Father and Hebrews says that he is the author and finisher of your faith, which means that he did something. He accomplished it, but he is not finished. He is at work in your life. And despite your failed attempts to clean up your life, Jesus is not done, done with you. Despite your failed attempts at being better, Jesus isn't done with you. 
I love John chapter 11, and we're going to look at the story of John chapter 11. But before we do, I just want to look at this simple passage where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he's telling this to Martha, who's all worked up because Lazarus is dead, and Jesus is coming to him, coming to her, and making this statement. But this is an I am statement, and it's brilliant on Easter because that tells us that Jesus doesn't just have a resurrection story, he is the resurrection. So it's not just something that happened to him, although it did, and it means a lot to us. But he rose from the grave as the resurrection and the life. So in other words, the one, Jesus, that's not done with you, he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, is not done with you. The only thing more potent and powerful than his resurrection power, his love for you. And his resurrection power is potent, but his love trumps it. So I want to take a look really briefly at John chapter 11, because we see this play out in a brilliant way. And I think it's going to bring together the reality that your life and my life doesn't always look like Easter Sunday. Even when we put our trust in Jesus, sometimes it looks like Good Friday where the water is over flowing and yet Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he is in the middle of it and he is doing something far bigger and better than you think. In John chapter 11, I love this in verse 1 through 6. I'm going to skip around a little bit. It says this, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, skipping down. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is Sick. If you've been reading along with our study and our life groups, we just studied this kind of idea, which is beautiful. They're them really appealing to God's love instead of our love for him. And then it says this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. See, Lazarus... And his sisters were drowning. The water had come and risen above the pool. I would imagine Lazarus and his sisters had tried everything. He was dying. I mean, can you imagine how many different remedies and things that they tried as they literally watch their brother whom they love begin to fade? And they appeal to Jesus and they say, Jesus, come on. We've seen you heal people before. And, and we know you love us, which means they had an intimate connection. They had a relationship and they had been walking with Jesus and they had seen him over and over and over heal people miraculously. And so this was really no big deal for Jesus. And so they sent to him and said, we need you to come. Our brother is about to die. See, they thought Lazarus would be a simple fix. He's sick. Jesus heals people. We'll ask him to come and he'll fix him. Mary and Martha put their faith in this formula. We have a need. Jesus can fix that need the way that we think he should fix it. 
We ask him to come and he does it. Their expectations were shattered because he could have healed Lazarus. He just didn't. The problem with religion is that we put our faith in a formula and then we slap God's name on it. And then, and then we throw our hands up in the air when it doesn't work out the way we thought it should and say, it doesn't work for me. I've tried church and it doesn't work. I've tried religion and it doesn't work. I've tried faith, this person, Jesus. It just doesn't work for me because I put the formula together in my life and I tried it the way you said I should. It didn't work because the water's still overflowing in my pool and I don't know what to do. See, Resurrection Sunday isn't just celebrating a distant day and a a big idea where we have big music and we celebrate and pretend that life doesn't always look like Sunday morning on Easter. Because oftentimes it looks like Friday where the clouds are really dark and we're going, God, I've put the formula together. Where are you? I love... I love this line. And I'll tell you what, God gave me this line last week. I mean, this message took two weeks to put together and I don't even know why other than to say that, that, that this line God gave to me last week and I've been marinating on it and I just believe that it's, it's a word for us. And it's so powerful because Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary And he didn't come. It says it right here. Jesus loved Lazarus. So he stayed two more days. He loved him so much that he stayed two more days. Today, my faith is in the love of God. Religion says, put your faith in the formula. You do for God and he'll do for you. So get your act together. Start doing things that are right because if you do, then God will do something for you. And if he hasn't come, it's because you haven't done a good job. If he hasn't come yet, Mary and Martha, it's on you because he's the healer. Have more faith. Be more consistent. Be more faithful. And then he'll come. God, I'm going to love you the best I can this year and maybe you'll help me get out of this hole. This is the religious message. Anybody ever heard a message like that before? We all have heard a message like that. And if you haven't heard a preacher, then you've preached it to yourself because that's what you tell yourself. I got to do better. This is on me. Because no one in life likes a handout. We don't want to be that person. And so we're like, God, this one's on me. This one's on me. I get it. I get it why you're not doing awesome things in my life. This one's on me. Can I just tell you, your performance will never be enough. 
you're a miserable performer. God would never put you on his stage based on your performance abilities. What's interesting about this story is Lazarus was far less lovable after two days. Lazarus was the worst version of himself after two more days. See, he could have came while Lazarus was alive. Now, granted, he probably had a runny nose and a fever and he was probably shaking and all of those things, but he was alive and he didn't stink. But in two days, when he went, he told them to roll away the stone and they said, no, Jesus, we can't do that because it stinks really bad. Lazarus literally has decomposed and there's a stench coming from the tomb that we can smell out here. And so Jesus, because he loved him so much, he waited two more days until he was the worst version of himself. Totally not presentable. So he could come and love him. He loved him. So he waited two more days. Have you ever considered this? Maybe when you feel the least lovable, you're the most lovable to God. The Bible says that a broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. That he draws near to the brokenhearted. And the ones that were Jesus was frustrated with were people that said that I got it all together. I'm not broken. There's no stench. And Jesus is like, you stink so bad. And they're like, what are you talking about? Remember when Jesus was walking along with his disciples and he saw a tree and it, was, it says it was, it was an olive tree and it was with leaf. And Jesus went up to it and it had no fruit. And Jesus cursed it and said that this tree will never bear fruit again. And, and disciples were like, dude, Jesus, you like woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Relax. He's like out here cursing trees. You know what he was doing? Jesus never does anything on accident. He didn't have a bad mood. He was trying to send a message. And the message was, listen, don't pretend like you have leaves with no fruit. See, in an olive tree, the only time it's supposed to have leaves is when it has fruit. The leaves are, a, are an indicator that there's something going on on the inside. And so he's like, quit shining the outside of the cup. And the Pharisees are so, they're so busy. Like, we want to make this patio look so good. And Jesus is like, it's overflowing with water. And they're like, no, it's really clean. It's like, there's a huge problem. No, we just want to look good on the outside. We just want to, we want to make sure that everybody thinks we're good. And Jesus is like, the problem is bigger than that. And you can't fix it. I can though. I can. When you're the least lovable, you're the most lovable to God. I hope that's a huge relief because Jesus waited two more days because he loves you so much. So that just maybe you'll break down some of that stuff that you feel like you have to perform and to put on some facade. No, like I'm seriously, I'm good. 
And God will just break down some of that and you come before him and you say, here I am, Lord. Like, I actually need you. I actually need you, Lord. And I don't need to pretend anymore. And I certainly don't need to perform to earn your love for me because in fact, I'm the most lovable when I'm the most vulnerable. When I put my religion aside, God says, there's my son, there's my daughter. There you are. You were hiding behind all those silly leaves. I don't care about the leaves. I want you. I love you. Right where you are, right who you are. I created you in all of your dysfunction, whether it looks like a Friday or a Sunday. I am desperately in love with you. Mm, That's good news today. See, from the beginning of time, God has been trying to send one single message. I love you. That's it. One single message. And if you know your Bible and if you know how to read scripture, seeing through the lens of Jesus, that is the message that you will see over and over and over, climaxing in God's saying, for God so loved the world that he gave. This is the one message because he knows that this one message is the thing and the only thing that changes us and sets us free. His love. The gospel without the love of God is religion. And what grieves the heart of God more than anything else is when that message gets distorted. And that's why he was so mad at the Pharisees because they, they served up faith and religion, belief in God to the people, void of the love of God. And Jesus was furious. But we see in this story another time when, when, when Jesus was grieved because he showed up on the scene. Remember, he waited two more days because he loved him so much. And this was the message that he wanted everyone to know is that I love you guys so much. And so I'm going to wait because this is what's required for me to get through to you. And he shows up and they're in tears because the message had not been received. They were doubting his love, doubting his care. Jesus, we know you could have done this and you didn't. And so why would you do this to us? Why would you not love us? And the Bible says that Jesus wept. He was so grieved that he was moved in his spirit and he literally wept. And he didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. He was about to raise him from the dead. Jesus was literally weeping because they didn't get the message. I love you. And they missed it. Thank you. I wonder how many times have you missed the message? Those three simple words. I love you. How many things in your life have you allowed to somehow distract and take away from the most powerful message of all time. Three simple words. The only three words that will change you. 
I love you. You'll never be more loved than you are right now. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to read a scripture out of Romans chapter 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? If the water's coming over the pool... No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears of today or worries of tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell cannot separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky or above and the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, he's working. He's moving. Let him love you. Let his performance overshadow your meager attempts at performance. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, there's really only one question. The question today on this big Easter Sunday isn't how you've been doing, how you've been performing, how's your walk, how's your faith, how's your prayer life. Really the only question is, where are you putting your faith? Is it in Jesus? The one who came and died for you to fix the problem that you could never fix, sending the message that transforms our lives. I love you. And so if you're here today with no one looking around, just the privacy of this moment, if you'd like to say yes to Jesus or recommit your faith, putting your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus Christ who died for you and rose again so that you might walk in victory. If that's you today with no one looking around, we just lift up your hand and say, yeah, that's me today. I'd like to say yes to Jesus. I'm putting my faith in him. I'm recommitting my life and I'm saying, yeah, I receive you today and I'm hearing you loud and clear, Jesus. You love me. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm ready to walk with you. Father, you see these hands. You can put your hands down. Everybody say this prayer out loud. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I am a sinner. I know that now. I need you. I hear you, Lord that you love me. I put my faith in you. Come into my heart. Make me new. I make you Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who committed their life to the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Well, that concludes our Easter Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us and being a part. Like I said, we'd love for you to continue to come on Sunday, next Sunday after church. Incredible opportunity for visitors to just come hang with us. But for the rest of us, have an awesome Easter Sunday. God bless you. We'll see you next week.